Good morning. What a magnificent song. And it uh, is very encouraging because it so goes with the message for today. And the title of today's message is taken from the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, is Have We Lost Our First Love? And uh, let's just take a moment and pray. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, just for a moment, I want to use Rowan Hill's old saying, to use our sanctified imaginations with heads bowed and eyes closed. Because this is a personal evaluation. And it's an evaluation of our testimony that we have as Christians. What if God desired to send a group of angels to evaluate our life as a Christian? They would first evaluate us at church on a Sunday. Then they would follow us around during a weekday when there were no church services scheduled. First, they would look at why we chose to do something. What was our motive? Were we seeking to personally be recognized for something Or were we doing it for God's glory? Then they would evaluate our conduct. Then they would look at our thoughts. They would look at us to see what our reaction is when someone else is recognized instead of ourselves. How do we respond silently in the deep parts of our heart? They would also see if we were able to rejoice in others' successes or would jealousy take root. Then they would look at our actions that we would take each and every day in many different ways. They would look to see why we did things and what they were. Heavenly Father, we just come before you this morning in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we acknowledge, apart from you, Lord Jesus, we are nothing. We are simply sinners lost in this present world. But when you took our place at Calvary, when you endured on that cross, the burden and the penalty of our sins, how marvelous it is when we come to know you, when we become born again. You are so special to us, and we are so thankful. And so, Lord, as we open your word this morning, we pray that you would show us things that you would have us see and do And respond. And if there are those here this morning that are still not born again, that they would, through the power of the Holy Spirit and in your love, 
discover not only how much you love them just as they are, but how much you want to give them and bless them. And we pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning, as I said earlier, is the book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. The book of Revelation, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write, The one who holds seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and your perseverance, and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not. And you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you that you have lost, that you have left your first love. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen. And repent and do the deeds you did at first. Or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstands out of its place. Unless you repent. Yet this you do have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolonians, which I also hate. He who has an ear Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. May the Lord bless the reading of his scripture this morning. What we really want to take a look at this morning is the statement that Jesus said in the midst of these scriptures that you have left your first love. What is first love? I believe it is the devotion, loyalty, affection, and adoration we have for our God. Why is there a first love? It is God's desire to give us this love when we are saved and become born again. We instantly become grateful and hopeful. How does this first love happen? Once we are saved, the Holy Spirit comes and indwells us instantly. And we are changed and we receive the first fruits of the Holy Spirit. And as a direct result of this, we possess the first love, the affection for our God. Because the moment you're born again, the fruits of the Spirit are given to you and to me 
by the Holy Spirit, and they're so marvelous. And they are so not what we possessed before. We were sinners. In God's eyes, we were at best scoundrels and at worst wicked among all. Hard to take maybe, but true. If we're really honest with ourselves, if we really evaluate our lives and look at our past, we could only agree with God on this point. The fruits of the Spirit that he gives us are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Now, that's just marvelous. Are we deserving of those? No. Nonetheless, they are ours by the grace of God. When does this first love happen that, that the Lord talks about? Well, it happens instantly. The moment we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Where does this love take place? In our spiritual hearts, which is the center of the affections in each and every soul. We become lovers of God and we become lovers of his word, the Bible. We desire good and not evil. Hence, people start to see the change in a person who's truly born again. They go, what is going on here? Whether that's a spouse, whether that's a neighbor, whether that's a student, whether that's a co-worker, a boss, people who work for the person, they see a change. This love allows us to see life from a new perspective, from God's perspective. Our whole outlook changes in life. We become loving and we become caring and we are concerned for others. We have a desire to know more about God's word. This first love, this affection for God drives us to discover more about him in the scriptures. And when older, wiser, godly Christians teach us from the word, we are not only delighted by what we discover, we instantly want to apply it in our lives. We become doers of the word, as James says, not merely hearers. We respond to what we learn about God. That's what the first love does in our life. We learn to give. We learn to give of our time. We learn to give of our income. Now, it's well known in this church that we don't preach Give, give, give. That's not what this is about. This is understanding what takes place 
when the true first love of a Christian takes place, there is a desire to support the work of God. Once taught the principle of tithing, it is forevermore a part of their life. Whereas the carnal or the unregenerated Christian continually figures out how to cheat God out of the income and has the arrogance to think that God isn't understanding of what they're doing with their income. But he does, and he knows. So as we understand this about God's first love, what on earth happened to the Ephesians? Do you know that if they weren't first, they were second only to the Philippians in the heart and affections of Paul? My goodness, you read this book and contrast it to the Galatians and the Corinthians, which he was continually correcting, which he was continually straightening out, which he was continually fighting for the gospel and truth. In Ephesians, he lays down such a marvelous platform for the Christian life, for the organization of the church, what doctrines we should hold true. It is laced with encouragement and and blessings throughout the book. So what happened to them? They were righteous people, even to the end. Look at the things he said about them. But all those things simply in the eyes of God, don't count if we have lost our affection for Jesus Christ. They had a zeal for God. They had great faith and love for the saints. Paul was constantly thankful for them. They were righteous. They were good teachers. They were protective of God's principles. They rebuked false teachers at every stand. They never cowered in the face of evil. They persevered and did not grow weary. But they left their first love. Let's look at some possibilities. What could have taken place? In their lives, when they had so much going for them, when they were so blessed, when they were in such a marvelous church, when there was strong leadership, when there was good teaching, when there was just an outreach to the community in Ephesus, what went wrong? Simply, sin. Sin is what went wrong with the Ephesians. Unconfessed, not forsaken sin interrupts our relationship with our God. In Ephesians, it says, do not Grieve the Holy Spirit. 
In 1 Thessalonians 5.19, it says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is our strength. It is our insight. It is, it is everything that we have in God. It is the fruits of the Spirit. When we quench the Spirit of God, when we grieve God with our sin, all that we have in God starts to diminish. But the knowledge we have with God, therefore, that's why they could continue with acts of righteousness. They could carry out certain principles with God, but without affection for the things of God. Remember, prayer is simply our conversations with our God. And he delights in them. He looks forward to them. And he blesses us because of them. But sin interrupts our conversations with God. When we are in sin, when we are in unconfessed sin and rebellion, there is no one listening at the other end. Oh, he has a knowledge of everything we do and say. He is aware of our arrogance. He is aware of our stubbornness. He is most unhappy with us, but he is not listening to the superficial and shallow prayers that go along with the acts of righteousness. Why, the prayer can even be eloquent, but no one is listening on the other end because of sin. Today, as always, when we look at the Word of God, when we look at examples in the Bible, they are there For us. They are there for us to apply in our hearts and in our lives. So we should ask ourselves this morning how is our prayer life? How is our relationship with our God? More importantly, is He listening? There can also be with this a loss of desire to read God's word. When you're involved in sin, it simply is the last thing you want to look at. It's a true story. It's the truth. Because this will constantly do nothing but remind you of your present state. And believe me, the devil will keep you busy doing other things. He is so happy when a Christian falls out of grace with his heavenly father. That's grace in our practical lives. We're not talking about salvation. Once you're saved, once you're born again... 
You have it forever, no matter what your conduct is. But you can be living a very miserable life. But when we have that first love, we just can't get enough of this. We can't. If, if things go crazy some morning and we can't seem to finally have our devotion, we walk out of the house, we just feel incomplete. We just have started out the day wrong, and if we're walking with God, we know it. And not surprisingly, things don't go that smooth, do they? Now, when I say devotion in the morning, it is with, and conversations with our Savior, it is with the Bible. Never, ever, ever must any devotional book replace God's word. And I don't care if the devotional book has a scripture. Do not fall into the cop out of saying, well, I read a scripture today. This is not a condemnation on devotionals. I have two I read every day. Sometimes three. I enjoy them. I find them encouraging. But they are never to replace our personal time with God in his word. And if you are not spending that time, you are less than you can be to God. And your first love is a whole lot of degrees lower than it can be. And he wants it to be. But when this takes place, things start to change in the life of a believer. Their worship isn't the same. Oh, they can get up here on a Sunday morning and get up there and read from the Bible and say the right thing. You see, you never lose your knowledge of the word as you backslide with God and away from God. So you always know the proper things to say because you're taught well in this church and in a church like Ephesus. So they had the knowledge, but they had the boldness and the arrogance to walk up here, stand and read from God's word and share something about the preciousness of Christ and his, his death, burial, and his crucifixion, death, and burial and resurrection for us. But here's a news flash. Though we may be impressed, God is not. Hence, we start to see the situation with the Ephesians. We must maintain practical faith, trust, and obedience in God to have fellowship with God. We must stay humble. We mustn't get proud or arrogant. These are sins God cannot tolerate. And I assure you, God will not bless you, although the devil may. God will not bless you. God will not bless me. When we have the spirit of arrogance. I've always been fascinated with some of the carnal 
and how impressed they are with their own knowledge of God and his word. It fascinates me. They are so blinded by their arrogance and their pride because they know God's word, because they know the principles. There was a man who used to be in our church long, long ago. Very few of you, if any of you know him. He was with us for a while. He used to evaluate the speakers. Instead of listening, Jesus, what do you have to say to me today? What do I need to take from this message? He sat there with his little booklet. There are those who use a booklet and there are those who don't. But they sit there and they evaluate. Well, is he moving around too much? These were the comments. Is he, is, he, is he giving the left side as much time as the right side? Uh, what's the content? Did he start out with a good introduction, a body, and a conclusion? What is that? I tell you one thing. God is not impressed. Rather, God is angry. Because that is pride and that is arrogance. Remember the thing that cast Lucifer out of heaven was a spirit of pride. He wanted to be God. He didn't want to serve God any longer. And their pride can allow situations and circumstances where that person isn't recognized. Others are. Others are getting the breaks. Others obviously have um, an open door to the leadership, and I don't. And blah, 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 blah. It just goes on and on and on. And the devil's right there just feeding them with those fiery arrows going, here's another one for you. Here's another one. When he finds a receptive, carnal, backslidden person, oh, he has enough in his arsenal to keep you busy night and day. But what takes place? Resentment, bitterness, angry with others constantly. Notice one thing in common with all those. They're sins. You see, sin begets sin begets sin. It just multiplies. When we're not humble, when we're not thankful, when we're not rejoicing with others and their successes... Why me? Why hasn't God done this for me? Why them? When someone succeeds, do we rejoice, genuinely rejoice with them? Or do we get bitter? Do we get resentment? What is that? But telling God, I don't like the life and the portion you've given for me. I guarantee you, no one in this room that's saved, when you stand before God and you look at who he is and what he is, could possibly even utter such a thought. But down here, somehow we think he's gone. Maybe he's busy with someone on the other side of the world. Newsflash. He's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's always present. He knows each and everything about us. One of the most common things that takes the place of our first love with God are things, people, possessions, the acquiring of things, 
the amassing of things, whether it be monetary or material, it gets out of control. We're spending more time taking care of those, whether it's in our job, doing our job well, it goes from doing our job well to beyond that, and we constantly shortchange God in our time that should be devoted to him. In giving him the glory when everything happens and we're successful, the, re, the, the, the response to God saying thank you, God, to you, get, to you is given the glory. We replace that with I'm not doing such a bad time. You know, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I'm, I'm having some real success there because of my hard work. There's a story about a, a Christian who went to his pastor and said, you know, I heard one of your messages and I was so convicted because I hadn't been giving, I hadn't been tithing my 10%. And the pastor said, well, what do you want to do about that? He says, well, I want to start. No matter how short I end up at the end of the month, I want to, I want to give that. Because he, the principle is first, right off the top, you give the 10%. You don't wait till the end because guess what? Newsflash, I've been there. There's nothing left. Okay? Anybody with me? Huh? Okay. You give it first and you trust and leave God with the blessing. Okay? And so he said, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray that God blesses you. Well, unbelievable, he was blessed. And the checks that started to roll in, the pastor really knew how good God was working for him. And he was so rejoicing. And one day this guy looked at what he was making and he goes, and and the check he was writing to the church, and he goes, figure out where this came from. Wow, I don't think my church needs that much every week. So he goes to the pastor and he says, Pastor, um, I've been thinking, you know, you know the size of the church. He says, yes, I can really see God's blessing you. He goes, I'm thinking about cutting it back a little because I know you guys can't possibly use that amount of money. And the pastor says, okay, that's fair. And I'll change and pray that God blesses you less. It hit him like a truck standing on a freeway and the Kentworth takes him out at 70 miles an hour. Oh, God, forgive me. See, this is the good response. God, forgive me for my arrogance. Forgive me for my greed. We'll never have this conversation again. And he went on to be an extremely successful businessman giving to the Lord's work. Trust me, there's always enough in the Lord's work and taking care of lives and people. When we're enjoying our first love with Jesus, we lead a holy life. We lead a separated life because that's what holiness is. We separate ourselves from this world and we dedicate ourselves to walking with God, pleasing him every day, every hour, every minute. But it is so easy when we don't guard our lives, how easy immorality can slip into our life. And here's the one thing about immorality. Here's the one thing about the devil. When he gets that into your life, when he gets that hook, 
only drastic falling before God in repentance and being grieved towards that sin can it be broken. Because it will just be a landslide in your life with Christ. If you continue on in immorality, you continue in it. And if you're unsaved and you're wrapped up in it, it's hard to find God in it until you see what a destructive force it is in your life. And it is destructive. And it is harmful. And yet, as a Christian, you can be deep in immorality and you still have the knowledge of God. How frightening. So the question we want to ask ourselves today, how is our first love? How is our holiness, our personal holiness to the Savior? How are we being blessed by God? Do we look forward to waking up in the morning and the first thing or before we leave the house, we say, good morning, Lord. Help me this day. Show me this day. Teach me this day. What was the recommendation by Jesus to the church at Ephesus? What was the solution he gave them for their state of losing their first love? Repentance. Therefore, remember from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first or else I'm coming to remove your lampstand. By that, he's going to remove the testimony because in reality, there's no testimony left. There's no blessings from God. But God restores when we repent. And we instantly, we instantly taste the goodness of God again. We instantly enjoy fellowship with him. We're grieved. And we may be grieved for a while in realizing what's happened to us. That's okay. But don't miss the new life again you have, the new affection you have for the things of God, God, the things of God, the people of God, the church. That is the real blessing. Know if you no longer possess the first love that you once had. And every person who was truly born again had it. And many of you still may. But if you don't, I don't care if it's a degree lower than where it was. It doesn't belong there. It belongs several degrees above where it was. That first love should never diminish. That first love should never go away. That first love should continue to grow and grow and grow in our lives. And if it isn't, and if it hasn't, maybe you've never been truly born again. I don't care how many possible times 
you have made a confession to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If his first love isn't manifesting it in your life, there is nothing there to manifest because the Spirit of God isn't there. I would like to think that the Ephesian church did repent because they were, they were wonderful people for Jesus one time. And I think the truly dedicated and sincere one time with God when they've fallen away, when given the opportunity to repent, they do. It is also my prayer today, if there's anyone here that finds himself in that situation, that they would not hesitate, but would run back to their God. For he is a loving God, he is a forgiving God, and he takes our sins and he puts them as far as the east is from the west. How marvelous it is. Let's bow our heads in prayer. With the eyes closed and heads bowed, let's take a moment and let's look at our life. I'm speaking now to Christians. If you have found your first love is less than it should be, if it's almost non-existent, if it's not quite what it should be, and you would like me to pray for you this morning, you would like this to be the day that you rededicate yourself to him, that you want him to do a work in you with eyes closed and heads bowed, and nobody but I am looking at you, and you want me to pray for you, and you want to make this decision as we end in prayer, please just raise your hand and drop it. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. Yes, I see your hands. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anyone else? It's hard. Don't let the devil keep you down. Don't let the devil keep you distracted. If you honestly and truly want to change in your life, just raise up your hand and I will pray for you. One more time. Anybody else? And if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, maybe you've never known him, or maybe you realize that you've made a profession at some time in your life and it's empty and they were nothing, it was nothing more than words, but you would like to pray today to accept him as your Lord and Savior, Please raise your hand. Is there anyone? He has nothing in store for you. He has no condemnation at this point. He has no rebuke. He just wants to redeem you. He wants you to set you free. He wants to give you hope. He wants to give you a wonderful life. If you want me to pray for you, raise your hand. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you today for your goodness, your mercy, your grace, your love, your forgiveness, Lord. How wonderful it is. Lord, just each and every day, meet with us. 
Help us to take time to meet with you. Just help our love and our affections and our adoration for you to grow each and every day. Be blessed by you. Be used by you. Let others see your love in us. We pray these things now. In your precious name, amen.